Welcome to the Midlife Male Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Male newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash No BS Guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash No BS Guide. All right, guys, here we go. Greg Scheinman with you. Another week, another episode of the Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you so much for being here this week and every week. We are on the tail end of 2022. We are about 30 days from turning the corner on 2023. Now is a great time. It's always a good time to think about practicing resolve over resolution. A lot of talk right now about New Year's resolution. I'd offer to focus and practice resolve. It's going to extend your runway. We talk about sustainability, longevity, consistency. Look to practice resolve. And if you are making resolutions, as a lot of us do out there, Make them quantifiable, make them simple, make them achievable so that you can get on that path of sustainability, longevity, and over into resolve. And be open to feedback, to advice, to seeking the opinions, the thoughts, the guidance, the expertise, the leadership of others to help you get where you want to go. Today's episode with my friend Joe Hirsch is all about that. It's all about helping leaders make feedback fearless, about being able to design and deliver feedback without fear, to be able to receive feedback without fear and rather with joy. I met Joe through Impact 11's bootcamp. I have had the pleasure and privilege to be on his podcast. I wish they knew. It's great. It's short. It's concise. It's to the point. It's really a tremendous idea and format that he has. Joe is an internationally recognized expert on leadership and communication and he has accolades beyond from Fortune 500 executives to NFL coaches for his forward-thinking approach to improving organizational culture and effectiveness. He makes research-based practices more accessible so that people can improve the way they work, learn, and lead. In his book, The Feedback Fix, Joe presents a bold alternative to traditional feedback techniques and performance management practices. And he shared that message as a TEDx, an international keynote speaker, to close to 10,000 others across three continents. His work and research has been featured in the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, and other major outlets. And when he is not on stage or hosting his popular podcast, I wish they knew, he is likely doing something outdoors with his wife and four boys. This was a lot of fun to record with my friend Joe Hirsch. It was a great opportunity to get feedback, get advice, hear how he does it. And I believe and really feel strongly uh, and passionately that what he says has tremendous value and you guys are going to gain a lot from paying attention to Joe 
Hirsch. So let's get after it this week on the Midlife Mail podcast. Welcome to the Midlife Mail podcast, Joe Hirsch. Greg, my man, how you doing? I'm doing great. I've been looking forward to this since we had a virtual cup of coffee together um, on yours. And it's just been great to get to know you over the last year. So thank you for being here. It's great to catch up. Uh, my excitement's kind of radiating right now uh, through through the mic and all this. So this is really cool. So thanks, man. Let's bring it. I'm excited. So I love the concept of feedback. Definitely want to get into your, your background and how you got where you are and kind of this quintessential midlife man. I mean, but like hitting the nail right on the head, like let's talk about feedback because this is a touchy, you know, kind of topic, the notion of giving feedback, you know, accepting feedback. How does that differ from advice, criticism? Like I've had all these kind of thoughts around it. How do you respond to, to feedback? Whose feedback do you take? You know, I'm going to throw all of you. Whose do you ignore? If you ignore it, like, how is that received, you know, by the other person or colleagues or coworkers? So clearly I have issues. (laughs) (laughs) We all got them. We all got them. We have enough time for you to maybe help me unpack a few of them, which might help to unpack, you know, a bunch for everybody else. But, but straightforward, right? Like, where did this concept for you where did it stem from to really focus on on feedback? It started because I got a lot of feedback that, frankly, produced fear and not joy. And I was in a job that I loved. I was doing work that I thought was important and doing it well. And I thought I had great relationships with my colleagues. And in the end, none of that was as true as I thought it was. Because the truth was that I didn't know what I didn't know. And no one was willing to tell me that. And so I was going through a lot of my life at that time, thinking I was one thing, believing I was another thing. And in reality, I was none of that. But Mm. no one told me. And the same was true when it came time for me giving feedback to other people. I felt inhibited. I didn't want to tell people the hard truths or the tough talk because I was afraid about what would happen next. What would that do to our relationship? How would that disrupt the dynamics on our team? And so I took an approach of duck and cover instead of stand up and engage. And the costs were real. The costs came quick. And I found myself smaller and more closed off than before. And I thought there's got to be a better way. Like feedback shouldn't be so fearful. Life shouldn't be so, so hard. I shouldn't have to run from this stuff. And so I started to unpack the science and strategies of what I call feed forward, this new fuel of feedback of looking at who people can become, not just at who they are, and really flipping the whole orientation of feedback from what we do to others to what we do for them. And in that search and in that process, I became more aware of how this whole new approach to feedback can change the way we see people, potential performance, and possibilities. And it's something I want to share with everybody today because I know how much it's made a difference to me and I know it can make a difference to them too. Mm. So, so good. So where would someone start? Like I'm listening to you and I'm going back in my mind of experiences and situations, you know, former careers, things that I've done. And one thing that also jumped out to me is as you were talking about your experience was like the word denial popped into my head. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, wait a minute. I really think as you were saying, like, I thought I was one thing and I believed one thing I did. I was thinking to myself, like, I don't, I don't know if I was in denial myself, or I would say I was in denial myself about the way I thought I was doing things or who I was. Like, I don't, it sounds like you believed it and you felt one way. I think I was going through a period where I was totally kidding myself and in denial, lying to myself. So I don't even know if you're open to feedback in that regard. If you don't even believe like, what you're putting out there to begin with. Does that, does that make sense? It does. It lands well because for a lot of people, there's, there's a point of 
resist and retreat where they don't want to get it. And so they'll put up blinders that make them feel this false sense of comfort that I actually don't need to change or improve. And I feel like, especially for midlife males, this is a tension point. It's a friction point because, you know, and I'm a midlife male too. So I've, I've sensed this myself that there's, there's a tension within us that on the one hand, we've reached a point in our lives and maybe even in our careers where we feel established and a sense of progress and purpose. And yet on the other hand, there's, there's maybe a false sense of security that comes with that, that I don't need to be any better, or I'm not capable of being any better. And so we put up these walls and close ourselves off and resist and retreat and deny and deflect. And I think it's normal, but I also think uh, it doesn't have to be that way. So Mm -hmm. if you're the person who needs to hear a different kind of message, I would start with this whole new mindset of what I don't know can hurt me. And that's true in a professional sense. And that's true in a personal sense. And if we want our relationships to be more meaningful, and ultimately, Greg, that's what feedback is, right? It's just a relationship between two people, the giver and the receiver, the giver telling the receiver something that the receiver needs to know or do or think, feel. Then, you know, I think it's worth our time and worth our prospects to stop and listen and reflect and say, where's the truth signal in this message? You know, what am I missing here? And what don't I know? Because if I'm open to hearing other people's perspectives, then my prospects can be better. My performance can be better. And ultimately my relationships can be better, but they can't be better unless I will myself to listen and learn. Mm. So to that effect, again, which is, which is great stuff. Okay. So here I am, somebody that has not accepted feedback very well, or even like sought it out. It makes me uncomfortable. It's a scary, again, I am here. I am kind of conforming. I'm complacent. Maybe I'm at my you know, again, whether I found my purpose or not, like this is where I kind of am. And again, a lot of guys are, are there. So I think there's a little tinge sometimes of like, oh, what is it about like this feedback or this quarterly review or anything that I have to go through? Like, I've been here 20 years. I might be here, you know, 20 more years or or whatever. I'm just kind of keep, how does somebody who's been closed off to that, again, as you talk about mindset, who has not had that mindset, how do they maybe make that shift in mindset? You know, like for all walk, run, like, can I be open to a little feedback? And I start with like a minute, but I don't want to let you go off on me for 20 or 30 because I can't take it. You know, what's, what's your experience taught you? I would ask a simple question. And, and this question is powerful, whether or not it's in the context of work, or whether it's in the context of our relationships, our family life. I would just, if someone tells me something, I would just ask the simple question of, okay, and what else? And what else? So what else is really going on? What's the question behind the question? What's the message behind the message? And I would start with one thing that that I can do to get just a little bit better. So if it's in a work context and my boss tells me that you know something about the way I interacted at that last client meeting was a little bit off, maybe off-putting, uh, you know, I would say, okay, and and are you seeing this elsewhere? You know, what else are you noticing? And then ask. All right, so what, what's one thing I could do differently next time? You know, to, to be really good at feedback, you have to be willing to accept hard truths. And that can be a little bruising to our egos. But ultimately, if we don't know that, we're going to be putting ourselves at a big disadvantage because the world is going to still see us the way they see us. And unless we can catch up with that, we're going to be at a disadvantage because we can't get better all by ourselves. We need others to help us with our process of improvement, whether that's, you know, being a better father, husband, son, better employee, better boss. You know, we need other people to help us achieve our fullest potential. And sometimes that that information, it can sting, but ultimately it's going to help us. And I think if we we start with the assumption that feedback might hurt, but it's going to help then 
feedback, I don't know, feels like maybe a vitamin or a shot. You know, you don't love them. You do them because you have to do them. And I think with feedback, it's the same thing. It's an indispensable part of becoming a better person. Mm. So what if mm, you don't agree with the feedback? Or again, who do you go to for feedback? or, Or what if there's unsolicited feedback? Or what if there's feedback from multiple people, even, or situations? Some of it aligns, you know, or maybe some of it conflicts. Where do, where do you fall in kind of internally on the acceptance or rejection of feedback or in terms or in the application? Again, so let's say I'm open to, to feedback. I want to move forward. Mm-hmm. I just got some feedback. Then maybe I got some other feedback. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in the middle on this. Like, how do we, how do we work through through that, I would assume that not all feedback just needs to be taken and is and is valid, you know. And like, hey, Absolutely. I'm going to yeah. change based on every person that tells me something, you know, especially if they they are a boss or somebody else, you know, out there. I, I think you know maybe maybe four steps. Let's call them four C's. You know, how to accept feedback with a little more grace, a little more grit, and and maybe a little more goal orientation. The first is be courteous. All right. If someone took the time to give you feedback, say thank you. All right. You may not love it, but you will come to like it. And so just a simple thank you, because they also took a risk in sharing this with you, even if they have the power and the position. They didn't have to give you this news. So the fact that they told you something that could potentially help you deserves a little bit of thanks. So be courteous. The second, be curious. Ask these kinds of questions that will elicit more information, you know, the and what else question, or try to go a little bit deeper and to probe, you know, well, is this something that you're seeing often? Where, where are you seeing this? With whom? Um, is this something that you can help me with? You know, help me understand the context and the color behind all this. And then I would also say, be contrite. If you screwed up, if an apology is called for, then offer one, right? And feedback is an opportunity, again, to become the people we were meant to be. So if the feedback Mm. is, you hurt me, what you did caused me pain, it derailed our project, it upset me, try to understand from the other person's perspective the, the impact of that behavior or decision. And then to say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry I did that. That that's part of not just making amends with them, but making yourself whole. And that's also what we want in this process is for us to become a little more whole when it's all over. And then finally, be constructive. Do something with the feedback, right? Especially if someone took the time to give it to you and it actually has potential uh, to improve your prospects and possibilities. Show people you're serious about listening to that feedback by acting on it and accepting it with a sense of purpose and put it into practice. So be courteous, be curious, be contrite, be constructive. And if you can do those four things, then negative feedback can have a positive upside and doesn't have to suck so much. Can you turn it off? And I'm going to ask this two ways. One, like you're in the feedback business in a way now, like you're in the feed forward business. Like this is, this is your, this is your project. This is your passion. This is your step. Can you turn it off yourself or are you constantly looking for feedback moments on both sides? Like, do no, you just kind of a- around, like, listen, I don't want anybody give me any feedback. And I don't want to give anybody any feedback because all I've been doing is talking about feedback I mean, for the last, you know, 30 days, 30 hours on 30 different stages and 30 different places. Nobody tell me anything for like the next two weeks. No, I try to live what I learn. And uh, I no, it's not something I can turn off because it's really personal for me. Um, you know, I, like I told you a little bit ago, I had, you know, that really pivotal moment in my life where I was feedback averse, mainly because I was afraid, you know, the fear really crept in and I don't think that it served me well. I mean, I know it didn't serve me well uh, at the moment in that time, but now looking back, it was the most transformative experience of my life, you know, going through that pain, going through that tough time, kind of blind how others saw me. 
I came out of it a different person, truly. And I know that it can transform others as well, which is why I would say in terms of receiving it, I'm highly receptive to feedback today, even when it's not properly shaped and scoped. Um, but I even have, have you know, in an, in an appropriate way, you know, I've told other people who I think it could benefit. I said, look, I see what's going on with you right now. And I was you. Let me tell you how this ends, okay? It's not good. So let me let me be this mirror holder who tries to enlarge and expand how you see things right now because right now you're not seeing the whole picture. And I want to help you see things a little differently so that your view matches others' view of you as well. And that's an empowering thing. And when you present it that way, People stop and say, well, what am I missing? You know, what is happening? And, you know, I can think of a couple of examples of good friends of mine where in the end, they said, hey, that process was painful. That, that process made me uncomfortable, but that process left me feeling more whole. That process enabled me to be a better person, better husband, better father uh, than I was before. And it was a gift. So thank you. So I don't think we should ever turn it off because if we do, if we, if we somehow push mute on this message, then we're not going to become the people we're supposed to be. And if we're not growing, we're receding. And I think that's a message you share all the time on the show, Greg. You know, like if we want to really raise our impact and, and deliver meaning, not just mediocrity, we need to find and express ourselves to the fullest extent possible. And feedback is a tool that does that. It's what enables us to be that person. You talked about the manner in which feedback is delivered. I'm just going to stay on this topic for a little bit because, again, it's fascinating to me. And I think it's fascinating to other guys and certainly intriguing out there. But feedback not always being delivered kind of in the manner that Maybe you want it to be, or, or if there's even a framework or a format between good feedback or the way it should be done. How does feedback differ then, or how is it from, let's say, advice or, or criticism? And for whatever mm-hmm. reason, we tend to associate the word feedback with, oh, it's going to be negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be that way. So I don't want to make that assumption or pass that judgment. But how does it differ from, let's say, advice or, or criticism? So what I help people understand is that feedback really needs to be a two-way conversation. And instead of telling and selling, you know, telling someone what you think and selling them on your view or version of events, we should be listening and learning. So take the context of work, right? Manager sees something with his employee, wants to fix it, has a fix in mind and says, oh, here's how I'm going to fix the person. Well, When you fix the person by fixing the problem, you might deliver a short-term win, but you don't secure a long-term victory because that problem is likely to recur. It'll reappear in some other context, some other place. And for the very simple reason that you are the one who did it to the other person. You didn't do something for them. You didn't empower them to discover how to go forward on their terms and timeline. And so instead of telling and selling, do more listening and learning. Try to understand where this problem is coming from. And then through this process of mirror holding, enlarge and expand that person's view so that they can come to the solution on their own with you supporting them throughout. And so the mechanics of Feed Forward are really about creating that dialogue so that you can have this two-way conversation so that instead of forcing my view, I'm unlocking an insight. And I'm helping someone else see the picture more clearly for themselves. And that's a very powerful shift that is different than advice, which tends to skew more towards, you know, telling and selling. Um, Even if someone asks me for the advice, it's still my idea. And criticism is absolutely my idea, right? Because it's my idea of how you should be improved. So I don't think we need to fix people as much as we need to frame problems. And if we can help people see the problem a little more clearly for themselves, 
and help them tap into the solutions they may already have and hold. And the solution is going to be theirs. And then the change and the transformation is theirs as well. And mm. that's an act of empowering others to take ownership of feedback and frankly, their life. Because I can't go my whole life fixing other people. It's exhausting and it never ends. But if I can help people have the confidence and competence to address their own issues on their own terms with their own solutions, then what I've done is given a little bit of my power away to empower other people. And that's a very, very powerful thing to do, to help others feel that sense of confidence and competence so that they can take control of their next steps. I was writing down, as you said, that, you know, help, you know, you've mentioned the word helping mm-hmm. a number of times, and then the word fixing. Mm-hmm. And that helping is greater than, than fixing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in there. And how simplistic that actually is mm-hmm. as just the statement that if you can focus on the helping rather than trying to fix everything and everyone, you could invariably have a greater impact mm-hmm. deepen relationships and strengthen them rather than maybe destroy them, you know, or, or, or push them push them away there. And I think it also levels the playing field. Mm -hmm. And it puts, you know, it's not as contentious in a way, or it's not as I can fix you if you do this. So therefore I'm better than you and you need to get here versus, Hey, if I can coach you, if I can help you, if we can speak together and I can give you the, the tools, I can teach you to fish over here. You're going to fix it yourself. Really is what this is about. Yeah. Feed forward is about trading power for partnership, Mm. you know, and, and instead of focusing just on a rating or report, treating feedback as a relationship. And when we start to change the, the dial on accountability from what I'm doing to someone, to what I'm doing for them, you know, enabling them to do for themselves, that's a very empowering message. It almost replaces accountability with agency. You know, you're giving people the tools and the techniques and the time and the space to be able to reach the destination in a way that suits them. Now, sometimes you may need to accelerate that process of transformation and be more involved in in helping them see the picture. But even when you show them where to look, don't tell them what to see. Give them that opportunity to see for themselves. Ultimately, it's like, like being a parent. You know, I I can't parent my four boys every moment of their lives. The the greatest thing that my wife and I can do for them is to enable them to make good choices, even when we're not around and looking. And that's the sign of an adult, right? Doing, Doing the right thing, doing the good thing when no one else is looking. And this is absolutely true in the context of families as, as much as it is in the context of work, you know, for, for guys, you know, we like to be problem solvers. We like to be fixers. And, and it can be uncomfortable for us sometimes, especially if we think we know how this is going to go down to let, you know, let the other person screw up, you know, to let our kids make a decision we know is going to come back and bite them, to let our employees do something that we think is going to actually derail a project or hurt our bottom line. But ultimately, if we are constantly fixing other people, then we don't give them the opportunity to become the people they're supposed to be. They never get that chance to step up and take ownership and develop agency, which is the most human thing, right? To feel a sense of agency and autonomy over our lives and to have that direction and purpose. And feedback is a great tool to help people do that, you know, to set the stage, give them the coordinates, show them the path, but then let them travel the way they need to. You know, if I'm taking you by the hand and saying, okay, we're going to go this way and then we're going to make a left here and we're going to stop here, pause for a little bit, then pick up again. I'm not, you know, I'm not helping you. You're essentially on a feedback respirator, right? Or I'm doing everything for you. And ultimately people can't do for themselves if we're doing for them. Uh, We've got to give them the chance to do it on their own Mm. terms. You've said this a couple of times too. Who are you supposed to be? Mm? Or becoming the man mm? or person or 
that you're supposed to be? I'm going to ask that to you. Who are you supposed to be? Well, I'll tell you who I wasn't at the time. Uh, the person I wasn't, at least in the eyes of others, was someone who was probably seen as too proud um, and too good to listen to other people's suggestions and advice. And in my heart, I, I really wasn't like that. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't arrogant, but that certainly was how others perceived me. Um, I have, just as my nature, sort of a giver's disposition. I, I'm a, I'm a community-minded guy. I like to help other people. I like to do things that benefit the greater good. And so in my heart, I wasn't that person, but I was seen that way. I came across with rough edges. And so the person I was supposed to be was the person whose affect matched his intentions, right? That the way someone would see me would be exactly the way that I saw myself. And it took some time to close that gap, but I did it. And today, people who you know, meet me after maybe not having met me in a while, um, they're amazed by the transformation. Uh, like I said, in my mind, it was like a before and after shot. You know, who I was before that moment in my life and who I am now after it is the difference between the person I was and that was not a person I should have been and the person that I am, which is exactly who I'm supposed to be. And the difference wasn't so much that I changed. Uh, it's that I changed the way that I presented myself. And that allowed people to see me in a way that was more in line and aligned with who I really was. So to an extent, authenticity. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also being mindful of how people read your actions, you know, because you can do something and think that it comes across one way when in fact it's being read completely differently. And that was a big learning for me. Um, to align my actions with my intentions and to be thinking about, well, how will this be perceived by others? So authenticity, yes, and probably more empathy than I had. I think those are they're, they're great words. And you also now mentioned perception. You know, was, mm -hmm. you know, how do we want to be perceived? How do we perceive ourselves? And sometimes where's the, where's the disconnect? Um, and there are a lot of, a lot of simple similarities. And I, identify and empathize, you know, with you as you're talking and I feel very similarly. I said, again, like as you're talking, I go back over personal experiences and periods of time. Um, and like I say this, you know, quite frequently. And again, I think I've also struggled with perception around some of it with people like I'm incredibly insecure mm -hmm. and really very introverted overall. And at the same time, there are things that I do care about very deeply that I think give off a very different perception, you know, in a way, whether yeah. it's the way that I dress or the way that I, you know, conduct, carry myself physically or some of the other things that I do. But at the root part of it, like very insecure, very introverted, very sensitive in a lot of these areas, want to please do all these, but also can come off as standoffish or as yet or arrogant or does his own thing, does it his own way. Again, closed off to maybe advice or feedback or so. Um, and that's tough, I think, when you also want to be liked, want to be appreciated, mm -hmm. don't really think you have anything going on or anything special or have it all figured out or all these other things. And you're just like, like what, what's going on here? Where's the disconnect you know, between perception and reality? Um, you know, because perception is reality to, to other people to other people. So it's, it's, to me, it's, it's really, really, again, it's like, it's this deep stuff where like, I don't know if it happened to you, but people would say to me like, Oh, you reinvented yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or like, again, I like, we both use the word transformation, you know, over time, you know, I go into mediocrity into, you know, maximization. It can be transformation around feedback into, into feed forward. However, I don't want to take your words, but I, you know, you go into, reinvention or whatever. And I would say like, I don't know, like, I think the truth is I didn't reinvent myself. I think I've released myself. Like this is Love that. who I am. Yes. 
that's the key right there. You, you, you said it right there, Greg. It's this act of revealing our true selves, unleashing that potential that resides in everybody. And so, you know, back to the whole giver receiver equation, if you're a feedback giver, you've got this amazing opportunity to help someone unleash their true potential. And if you're a feedback receiver, you have this tremendous opportunity to reveal the parts of yourself that are waiting to come out, but may need a little help. And so both parties can act in service to that goal of expressing the truest parts of who someone is. And in doing that together with a partnership model, help bring that about much more quickly and effectively and fearlessly than might otherwise happen. The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. So I want to switch gears a little bit here. We've talked a lot about feedback and feed and feed forward. If we can shift into the personal side of things, married, four boys, your life. And I'm curious to get an understanding, I guess, of, of understand a little bit about your background, kind of where your life was and, and ultimately where it is today. And if we can even maybe take it a step further, like how has that changed the dynamic in your personal relationship, in your familial relationship? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, and it's something I, I've thought a lot about because when you go through you know, a tough moment, like the one I did professionally, you know, kind of this you know, point of no return moment where something's going to happen, right? Something big is going to happen one way or another. Uh, and you don't know what's going to look like on the other side. It really forces you to ask yourself, you know, well, what impact is this going to have on my family? And you know, how do I want my family to see me? How do I want my boys to look up to their dad? And how do I want my wife to see me as a husband? And uh, it it definitely caused a great deal of reflection on my part. And I would say today, now having really worked on those mechanics of becoming more curious, more humble, um, a better listener, um, not as, you know, not as quick to act on my first thought, but to stop and to rethink and to look for the second thought and to wonder how this plays with other people and to bring that empathy and authenticity. I think that I'm much more patient. Uh, so certainly in terms of reacting to things. Um, you know, I, we have a couple of teenagers now in the house and so they're prone from time to time to, uh, to do what teenagers do, which is, you know, drive the parents crazy, even though they're delightful young men. Uh, and so I guess the old me would have been very quick to jump into, you know, telling and selling, um, forcing a change, you know, trying to, you know, have them meet my expectation. And I guess the new me um, approaches with more curiosity and humility and says, all right, well, let me try to understand what's going on from their perspective. Let me listen and learn. Let me prompt them for their idea of where to go from here. And again, to show them where to look, but not tell them what to see. So I think it's made me a better father, especially as a father of teens. Um, and certainly as a husband, um, I, I think the, the key to being a good husband is is being patient um, and and really trying to think about how your actions are going to drive uh, results, right? So if I don't do this thing my wife has asked me to do, what's going to happen as a result of that? Or if I don't listen to this feedback that she's given me, how's that going to make her feel? Or, you know, she's told me something that means a lot to her. How can I really reflect on that and try to do something with that information that is going to surprise and delight her? I think if you start to think about feed, you know, feedback in future tense, you know, not just something that lives in the past, you know, something you didn't do, a missed chance, a, 
you know, an opportunity that wasn't seized, and instead pivot to the future, which is a place of potential and possibility. You know, where the where the where the end is still unwritten. That is where we can do so much good for the people who are closest to us, um, in terms of guiding them, supporting them, and even surprising and delighting them along the way. Mm. I like that about possibility and potential. Mm. I've got a nice list going right now. So thank you as I listen to you of, again, because I'm trying to break things down into simple, bite-sized, positive action steps in a way. You think of like, I think I said this once once before. It's like I basically like have the intelligence of a golden retriever. And I, you know, I got to respond like, like just the same, like, give me the treat if I do something well, like don't give it the if I don't. So how can we get it? Okay, you know, that there. So it's like possibility is greater than potential. Like I think we've known and we've come across a lot of people with untapped potential that don't quote unquote reach it because they're not doing the things to make it probable and possible, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So the yeah, potential I, stays untapped because unless you're taking, as you said, the actions over the reactions, you're not going to get from potential to possibility to probability. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the order we want to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we I like stop. how you put that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great way to think about it because, you know, what is possibility? It's choices. And by giving people those choices and by increasing the odds that they'll choose something that's more in line with what they really want and can do, we are increasing the probability of positive and lasting change. And so potential thrives with possibilities. And when we give people the chance to put more of themselves into the issues that are right in front of them, they can take control of them and bring them to their next logical and lasting place. When did you transition from your former let's say, career and what you were doing professionally to global keynote speaker? When did you go pro with this? 2017 was probably the switch point for me, which was right around the time I had this really I would say traumatic experience at work. Um, you know, one of those, you know, you you're up, you're up right against the line, you know, uh, and there's no turning back moments. Uh, so 2017 was probably that transition point. And since that time, uh, I've had the great opportunity to help organizations around the world now uh, design and deliver feedback fearlessly. Uh, what by, was work before? Not to cut you off, but when you say I had yeah. the experience at work, what was work before? I'm an educator by training. Uh, and so I was a teacher and then an instructional coach uh, at a school for all, over a decade. And that work was fulfilling and and fun and exciting and ultimately um, really tapped into the parts of me um, that are that are true. Uh, you know, helping others, an orientation um, for for bringing out the best in other people, making complex things more understandable, and and ultimately guiding people towards you know being a better person of themselves. Today, I feel like I still do a lot of that, just with you know bigger people, <laughs> not not younger folks. But you know, for me, um, you can take me out of the classroom, but you can't take the classroom out of me. So I still I bring a lot of that learning mindset into the work that I do on and off stage. And I tell people, you know, life is one big classroom, really is, you know, we're constantly learning and it's a chance for us to think about, you know, where we are, where we can be, and then how to close that gap between, as you said, you know, potential and then probability. So what's fun for you? Like, like these things seem to put a smile on your face and I see what you're doing now, but like, like, what's fun for you? What do you like to do? So with my family, really anything. Um, we love the outdoors. That brings a lot of joy to us. Um, we live in Maryland, so there's quite a bit of beautiful scenery right here in our state. And um, really anything that is a shared family experience is a good day. Like, that would make 
that would make us all, I think, pretty happy. At the end of the day, if we could just you know, spend good quality time together doing the kind of things that we like. Uh, and they don't have to be big and you know exciting. They can just be simple joys, um, which make us happy. Professionally, uh, it's gonna, I'm going to sound like a, like a geek for a second, but uh, professionally, I love design. I love designing ways to make the fearful fearless. I like designing ways to make the complex simple. And I like designing paths that make the challenging accessible. And when I feel like I've helped people progress on that journey from fear to joy, you know, from feedback to feed forward, it's freaking fun. (laughs) It is (laughs) because I, I know that I'm making a difference in someone's life. And again, because this is really personal for me, I mean, we all get feedback. We all get bad feedback. We all have bad moments. We all have bad bosses. And I had all of that. I'm not unique. I'm not special. Like everyone's got it. But man, Greg, it was, I, I really can never forget that moment. It's like seared, you know, in my consciousness. And I live it and relive it every day because of the work I'm doing now, right? And so I, if I'm thinking about and talking about feedback, you know, that was my moment. And it makes it, it makes it feel more urgent and important for me because I know what it did for me and I know it can, it can do for others. And so I guess the fun is in helping others find the joy. Mm. What's your process and your structure that you go through? I mean, when you lay those things out, they're, they're very specific. Again, they're quantifiable. You know, you rattle off two, three things. Like here is the way again that I operate. Like I call, again, I call it my personal operating system. You know, yeah. like look, how I do one thing is how I do everything in there. I think all everything is connected. You operate a certain way; it applies itself to all areas of your life. It keeps things simple versus complex, and then it's quantifiable. It's repeatable. It's a, it's systematic. It's my process doesn't have to be anybody else's or the same thing. So I'm always fascinated and interested in other people's process. Like, at what time do you wake up? You know, or when do you write? Or do you have these three things like your or your North Star, like on a post-it on the side of your computer? Like, let me remind myself every morning, okay, <laughs> to you know, focus on simple versus complex, you know, and lean into the joy versus the, like what what is it for you? So if we're talking about personal habits and and sort of you know, an OS, you know, for for my life. I get up early. I really believe in, you know, doing the work in those unseen hours, as my friend Alan Stein Jr. likes to talk about. Um, you know, the unseen hours are, are a time of great possibility and productivity for me. So getting up early, working out, that's really crucial to me. I I need that, um, I need that energy to get me through the day. Um, and I do my best thinking in those hours. So whether it's writing, whether it's uh, running reps on a speech, um, those unseen hours, that morning block is critical. Uh, as far as like getting my most productive things done, I do great with long stretches. Those are harder to come by, but when I can find a man, those are the best ways for me to get stuff done. Um, and I try to calendar it in. That was a hack. I don't know who told it to me, but whoever it was, like, it's brilliant. You got to calendar in that time because if you don't, you're never going to get it. I'm huge uh, on that. You know, the show huge. me your calendar. I'll show you your priorities. Yes, you, I love and, that. And, how you put that. Yes. And scheduling, like even the open space, so that you have a time to be curious, to be creative, yep. to do, like to go yep. back to it. I think it's so huge. It's amazing. That's big. And and then I would say, you know, really preserving time for family. Um, someone told me this a few years ago when you know the business, thankfully, was really starting to take off, and I was. I was getting busier and it was, it was really a good thing. I was starting to see sort of these visions and dreams realized. And uh, he said, yeah, just remember, Joe, none of it matters if you don't have people to share it with at the end of the day. Let and me follow I, I, that up. Uh, go on. I want you to finish. But now yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that was just, that really grounds me. Because no matter how important I think this work is, the most important work that I do is that of dad and husband. 
and husband and dad, depending on the situation. Um, and if you don't make time for them, then nothing else matters. So whether that's, you know, family dinners, those are pretty, that's pretty sacred. Um, doing like one-on-one with the kids. Um, last night, um, we have this thing. It's, it's kind of funny. And if you guys like this, you can borrow it. So for our kids' birthdays, this is my wife's brilliant idea. We give them little coupon books, you know, that we make, you know, just like it's simple, like a, like, you know, on a Word doc or whatever. Um, and they're different coupons with different things they can redeem, right, over the course of the year. So one of them is dinner with dad. So we just go out and we have a good time and it's one-on-one time. And even though there's some really awesome things in that coupon book, you know, like stuff that's like, hey, go to a, you know, Philadelphia Eagles game, which we're doing this weekend, you know, stuff that's like, you know, really exciting and an experience. Dinner with dad is always a hit because, you know, I think they, they cherish it and I cherish it. So that stuff's really critical. So personal productivity, but also family integrity. Those are my North Stars. And ultimately, you know, serving my clients, um, being prepared to work hard for them because I know how hard they're going to work for themselves. Mm. I love the coupon book thing. By the way, it takes me back down a whole other area that I probably shouldn't go. I had an ex-girlfriend who gave me a coupon book one time, I guess again for my birthday. And they had great funny. coupons in it. <laughs> and they're not anything. Remember a thing about a coupon book. How can we apply this in a way that's not going to make me get into some kind of deep shit in my own house right now? But thank you <laughs> for having me bring that back. Okay. Yeah. Going back probably uh 28 years or so ago, yeah. give give or take <laughs> a, a year in the value of the coupon book. Um, she will remain nameless until I send this to her, okay, randomly out of the blue. So thank you for that. Uh, you got it, man. As you were talking about, you know, the importance and, and the order of importance, your priorities, you know, and I call, uh, call it the way I see it and the way it is, family first. You know, out of my six Fs, which are the week I'm out here, family and fitness and finance and food and fashion and fun, in the same order, but family is always number one. Now you go back to your calendar, show me your calendar, I'll show you your priorities. Is it? You know, really? Like it's got to be there. And then you talk about the success that you've experienced. And as you watch your dreams, and your vision become a reality. So now you're getting more opportunities. You're speaking more. Mm-hmm. The financial metric moving. I'm curious in those areas because even as it relates to feedback, like what we do, mm-hmm. and you do it much more than I do, we get feedback, like insta- instant feedback. There's a rush of getting up on stage. like, And there's a rush to the whole process of getting your reel done as we were talking about before we rolled. And then we send it to somebody and then that somebody wants me. Mm -hmm. So there's validation and there's a dopamine hit to that. And then we get the gig and then we go to the gig and hopefully people stand up. You get a lot of feedback in in real time. And then the client and everyone gives you feedback on it. But then as this whole thing is spiraling and growing and moving, like, I was like, like, you got to check yourself, right? What is your relationship with money? How many gigs do I want to take? What's the trade-off, as you said, if I'm alone or I don't have anybody to share it with? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you process those things? It was a great quote that you said your friend you know, gave you about it, but like, how do you also kind of check it? Do you say, I'm going to make do X number of gigs you know, a year? Or by the way, at this point, we kind of have a good idea of how much we need to live, you know, like what success mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. I like this idea of a personal audit you know, where you, every, for me, it's every six months. Uh, I, I take a hard look at sort of where I am in the business and as a person. Um, and that's actually really critical, you know, because having, having metrics for your business is one thing, but having measures for your character, that's another. And so I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, you know, am I being as community minded as I should be? You know, am I, am I um, participating in things that serve a greater purpose than just profit. Uh, how, how are others seeing me? You know, I'm always asking myself that question now. And we went into that earlier, you know, um, am I living the way that I want others to look at me? And, and if I'm not, then what can I do to refine that? Because um, how you define what you want allows you to refine what you need. And so 
that that's really critical. Uh, the personal audit is a great opportunity for me to take a hard look at me as a person, me as a professional, and to seek help where needed. You know, if it's someone who can help me uh, accelerate or amplify uh, my business, then I want to make sure that I'm reaching out and connecting with those people. If it's an activity or a cause that will help me develop into the finest person I can become, you know, person of good character, someone my children would be proud to look up to, um, then then I, I need to seek those opportunities. And I think if you don't measure it, you don't manage it, right? As people like to say. So uh, take take a hard look at yourself. And sometimes you need, you know, the counsel and the color from somebody else, right? Because you're too close to the problem. So whether that's your spouse or a loved one or uh, or a trusted friend or colleague, you know, seek that input from others who will help you see the things you need to see, but may not be looking at all by yourself. Mm. We are 30 days away from the end of the year. Um, not exactly sure when this is going to air, but that's when we are recording this right now. Uh, what is, are you doing when you're doing that audit? What does, what have we learned in 2022? What does 2023 look like? And then I'm curious, how far out do you, do you plan? Yeah. So because I try to do these on a six month interval, so I look out to six months because that's far enough for me to have a bit of a time horizon, mm-hmm. but manageable enough that I, I can probably get stuff done in that, in that interval. Um, and then of course, within that space, you know, it's shrinking the, the, the goals, right. So that they're more accessible and more achievable. Um, and so I might have like, you know, here's my goal for the month. And then maybe even further refining that, well, okay, if I need to get there at the end of the month, what do I have to do at the end of the week to, to make sure that's happened? So I do look out over that six months and then kind of look back on what needs to happen, sort of reverse engineer the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now, yeah, I'm doing what a lot of people are doing. I'm thinking back on a year that is you know, about, about to end and I'm, I'm celebrating the wins but I'm not mourning the losses because you know part of what it means to do feed forward is to look out towards a future that we can still change and not stick to a past that we can't. And so take mm. the losses as teachable moments, take those missed opportunities as moments to grow from, and don't dwell on them because if you do that, you're going to drive yourself crazy and you're probably not going to make any positive change. So to me, it's not, did I screw up? It's did I learn? And messing up is inevitable, but fessing up to, to, to what you can learn from it, that's hard. And that's, that's a choice. So, you know, if you mess up, fess up. And, and if you do that, then you're going to be able to ramp up and to make that positive change. Mm. Such good stuff. Where do people find you? Where do Best they place is what you're Joe, talking about. Yeah. 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 Best place is uh, joehirsch.me, where you can get all sorts of resources on how to live fearlessly and give the kind of feedback that will spark joy in people's lives. And check me out on all those social channels, wherever, wherever you find them. I hope to be there for you. And I hope that your feed forward journey brings you joy because it brought me a lot. Joe Hirsch, really, really great stuff. Thank you so much, my friend, for being here today. This was this was terrific. I am going to hit you up at various other times for, for feedback so I can continue to try to take the feedback and feed myself forward overall. This is really valuable stuff. It's a gift, everything that you're sharing. Guys, if you get an opportunity to hear Joe speak, absolutely go do that. Uh, pick up the book. Check out joehirsch.me out there. Um, And you're welcome back anytime, my man. So thank you so much. Happy, healthy holidays to you. I know that uh, 23 is going to be a big year. Thanks, buddy. This was a lot of fun. Hang on for a second. Guys, if you like what you have heard on the Midlife Mail podcast, and I know you did because Joe was on today, give us five stars, leave us a positive review, share it with your friends, your family, your community, everybody, so that we can keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. And I am back just like every week. Talk to you soon. Take care. 
If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the Work With Me page to explore options.